episode is sponsored by our new next door neighbours uh, in Cromedy. Uh, so they're 18A Newcastle Street, so right next to us. Our guest today is uh, Luke Parrish. Luke. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Long yeah. time no see. Yeah. I, this this episode is partially sponsored by Luke as well because he was uh, kind enough to l- lend us some microphones. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so thanks to Sure. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's uh, all yeah. recording. Yeah. Thanks to Rish. Um, so yeah, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, you've been in town for a little bit. How's uh, so people would know you from the psychedelic porn crumpets, who I realized when I was driving here, I had my PPC shirt on, and I was like, is that a bit weird? But I thought you that, assured no. me not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And I was like, good. It's totally fine. It's only weird if I wear it. Like you can't really wear your own. Yeah, merch, can you? Yeah. Okay. So that's where you sit on that side of the fence. I, I don't know. I just feel. Because I, uh, like, I, I noticed it's, Jason Newstead from Metallica would do it a lot. Oh, yeah. Metal bands always wear their guys, own t-shirts. Yeah. You know, those guys. But like, sorry, where were you but, about to go with that? Oh, I don't know. I suppose like oh, shirt-wise, it's like, I mean, if you'd wear a t-shirt if you worked at a, a shop or whatever, you'd wear like a uniform. Yeah. But I don't know. You I just, just feel I like just you're at work? Me, I feel like it'd just be weird. Unless yeah. it's like really low key. Like I remember we got some like What Reality Records label tees done which yeah i've seen like, those i only ones. got a They're couple cool. and it's literally just a little balloon man yeah. yeah nothing no text on it or anything so it's just like i feel like that's a subtle way of being like this is what we do but i feel like band tees you always you know it's like your favorite band but but i hate i hate the psychedelic porn company so you know, <laughs> why would i wear this shirt <laughs> no but um i don't know you just i don't know you sort of well, I I, I really like, like this shirt because it's very MC Escher. I like the I well, like that, the color palette, and I like the the yeah. isometric style artwork. Yeah, that's Jason Sundar. No, 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 that's uh, Jace Harper, who's a guy based in Byron Bay, who does loads of like our gig posters and. I was gonna say, art. I definitely recognize the art style from one of your gig posters, at least one of. Yeah, them. yeah, he's like, yeah, he's really cool, really cool artist. Um, and, and you do a bit a of screen printer. You do a bit of graphic design yourself. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 So what? Like, side. who? In terms of design, are there any like? Do you have like favorites of album designers? Oh, or is I that mean, something you just remember from the artists more so? Like, insert sorry, the musical artists, I should say. I suppose. Well, they're sort of all connected. I mean, I I, I don't know. Like Leif Podowski, yeah, you know some amazing covers i really trying like to remember i know the name but what were the covers that he did again i can't remember he did uh he did the bonobo one he did uh inner speaker tame parlors album uh, cover. Yeah, that's where i know what else did he do he did he's done loads like heaps of music ones um that and um who's the other guy uh, storm how do you say his name storm ferguson or whatever the storm guy that did all the ferguson. Ah, ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was who i was trying to yeah. remember from hypnosis who yeah, does all yeah. Pink Floyd's we ones. had a bit of a chat about this i think on the first or second episode about yeah. cover design yeah so he did he do tubular bells as well i think he's done oh Ooh. that makes a lot of sense yeah i think he's if done that's right yeah most of them. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's like that that was like a golden age for cover design yeah because it was like no one knew where, like, well, not that there's really, a, like, no one knew where the line was to be drawn, I guess. It was, like, just an age of exploration with and, and new photography techniques and, you know, 
like is it a crazy. photograph? I just always assumed it was paintings. Bells? Yeah. Honestly, I have not. Like, that's the thing, though. It's like, obviously, like, at least They didn't have photographs. Photoshop back then, so there's always, like, some crazy story behind, like, how they how got, they, yeah. how they got yeah. these things. Like, animals. I think we talked about animals as well. And, yeah. like, there's a really good story about how they had to have a photographer set up, like, fucking eight, like ages away. It was either hundreds of meters or it could have even been like up to a kilometer away. Is even, this for the animals cover? The animals, yeah. Because yeah. it is like a far away this, photo. Yeah, yeah, they floated a big pig balloon up and had this guy like take a photo from, from ages away and that was oh, a series of photos I guess as many as you get and they, they picked a, a shot from that that shoot. It's so nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's Whereas nowadays they would have just literally just like superimposed just him in. Yeah. I don't know the guy's name, but I, I did a couple of photography units when I was at uni. We got shown this documentary of this guy who would... he His thing was that he would take suburban-style shots in the like the US kind of, kind of southern area and um, of, yeah, streets and suburbs, but they were highly orchestrated. And he would... This one particular shoot, at least, he got people who were in the neighborhood and said, oh, would you be in my photo? And... He literally takes like five days to compose this photo, finds the right angle. They've got like full on like scissor lift um, kind of. Uh, oh, um, dude, I'm pretty sure I might have watched this as well. Yeah, well, I think you did. He it's does, on the same he shoots units, on yeah. large format yes. cameras. Yes. yes. You've watched the yeah. same one? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he goes to this great effort just for one photo. Yeah. He won't, it's not like he's doing a series even. He or he might do like three or something, but yeah, yeah it's he usually just like, for one photo. Like almost like a movie shoot. He'll have like, if he wants certain things in the shot, like yeah. he'll have that in there as well. Like yeah. s- special effects. There's no special effects. So he's just like, it's all has to be in yeah. the photo. Yeah. What's yeah. this? Here's a question. Cause you guys are you know, way more about photography than me. I know virtually nothing, but what's to stop someone from like, Let's just say they wanted to catch a, a, a shot in motion, or like a you know a, a snapshot of some motion. What's to stop someone from like shooting a short video and then just picking a screenshot from that video? Do people do that? Um, well, because that? generally speaking, if it's motion and you've got like a still of that, mm-hmm. it'll be at a high shutter speed, and generally you'll film at d- double what the frame weight frame weight frame rate is. Yeah. will be your shutter speed so if you're shooting for 60 frames a second usually you'll shoot at one uh 120th shutter speed yeah right uh, so what happens when you got a slower uh, shutter speed and you select an individual frame is because it's been exposed for longer it's more of a blur so it'd just be really blurry so essentially you're yeah, yeah the, the, the quality of the photo would be much worse that said some photos i've put up have actually been frames from videos i've shot yeah. because you know something lined up right at that moment and it was mm. just too good but yeah, if it's moving the, super fast, so yeah, you need a fast frame rate. Exactly. Really yeah. fast. So like, you know, sports photography, they'd be shooting, I don't know, somewhere pr- probably between 600 to a thousandth of a second. Yeah, exactly. Which is hi- f- far much higher than a slower shutter speed, which you do for video. Yeah. And the reason why they don't shoot at a higher frame rate is because it looks kind of funny, but also you don't let in as much light. So then your ISO is higher and then you get more grain. Yeah, well, there you go. So learning stuff about photography yeah how many frames per second is the eye yeah lots of uh people taking pictures rish people taking pictures yeah i'm not taking pictures yeah Ah, so yeah that's what you've been working on side yeah a little side project yeah i suppose like keeping me busy when i'm home yeah um sort of like i'd say it's more i don't know it's more soundtracky than it is kind of music 
It's yeah. a bit of both. It's a bit of a journey. Like you were, you were, you know, gracious enough to let me listen to it earlier today. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you sent me a few songs here and there, but it was like, I kind of got an experience of the full thing today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is very much a journey. It is a soundtrack to something. It's very yeah. kind of, uh, it's heavily influenced, I suppose, by like, yeah, more, I don't know, more like flavors than songs rather than being like, here's a, you know, I suppose there's songs weaving into it. Because there's, there's really no verse chorus yeah. structure to it at all. No, there's no. Maybe a couple of little moments of that, but yeah, I, I suppose don't know. I kind of like how people like the avalanches and stuff sort of create a mood with people talking, and there's always like it feels like you're somewhere else. Very textured, you know. Yeah, very like textured. Yeah. So, are you using uh, what what medium are you using to create it? To create it, are you sampling or are you using instruments or are you it's using a bit of both? Of, it's a blend, like. There's a lot of, like, stuff just recorded on my phone. There's a lot of... I mean, I tracked all, like, the drums and basses and guitars and stuff at home properly. Um, but most of the samples are kind of just... You know, there might be a string sample here and there or semi-orchestral stuff or just, yeah. It's kind of... I wouldn't say it's like the Avalanche is in that it's all, all sample-based production. It's like the samples kind of just... They kind of in and out of it on top, like yeah, kind of just cr- add another layer to it. Yeah, yeah, it's like adding another, yeah, adding another layer to sort of, yeah, all s- like self-recorded audio stuff. And that yeah. said, as well with the with the layering technique of, of recording and like kind of so like painting a picture, I guess. How do you do? You, do you sort of do that with breaking it down and record and playing it for me live in mind, or do you just want to like sort of like do you just want to create something and keep it for yourself or do you want to release it or well i definitely want to release it i think but it was i suppose i never thought about playing it live it was more like a let's just do a recording project because i'm kind of you know i don't really have time to play it live or anything i'm constantly touring at the moment so Mm. it's just like if i can just make something interesting for people to listen to and yeah and put it out there and 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 see what happens um yeah cool just as a it's it's sort of a vent me just venting all these old songs I've been storing away and just putting them into something and yep. Is it making thera- something, yeah. Music therapy, but yeah, also yeah, it's, it's good. It's yeah. nice doing something as well, get your mind off like <coughs> the main, you know, m- like crumpets and that main kind of project, I suppose. It's like it's something where you can just be like, yeah, whatever. You're not even thinking about much. It's just like I can just do whatever, mm. you know. I can put, you know, any sample in I want or any weird texture um i suppose you don't have to go through a filter of other people or or mixing or mastering engineers or anything it's just like oh just throw that in there yeah free for all yeah you can scratch other itches yeah musically exactly yeah Yeah. you can get yeah i can get out of the main genre and and, and kind of yeah blend do a little blend yeah so you're you're a bit of a jazz man I ran into it at Mild Life the other night. Oh, yes. Excellent jazz band. Great band, actually. Well, more than just jazz. Jazz yeah. is, an, is one one segment of it, I feel. Yeah, um, it's that sort of, yeah, upbeat. Very upbeat, kind of. Yeah, it's like disco, funky kind of rhythms. And it re- I, w- I was thinking as I was watching them that it reminded me of some moments in Animals. Um, yeah. To bring it to loop back to that, it was like somewhere between Animals and Daft Punk. Yeah, because it's like sits right dead center of that. Floyd definitely dabbled in a bit of 
a bit of funky stuff, a bit of slap bass. Yeah. I think there's a moment on uh, Live at Pompeii. Yeah. Where they do that. Yeah. And like the and the driven synths in the background. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I like about Mild Life. Yeah. It's got a lot of that. The latest single's got this like cool kind of loot synth background thing. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm pretty disappointed I didn't get down to that one actually. And I and I found out because I, I could have had a lift down to Mojo's as well. Oh, really? That. Yeah, I could have made it, but live and learn. Oh, they, they are Australian, so they'll be back. Yeah, sometimes yeah, for, for sure. Next time, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. They remind me, like a lot of those synths, like the tones they use remind me. Have you ever listened to that record, Plantasia? <laughs> we talked about this yeah, on the we last talked about one. This as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The program, man. We're talking yeah. about how <laughs> yeah, I should I should have I should have done my research. <laughs> you know how how Plantasia got um uh popular again is because it kind of got stuck in the YouTube algorithm, so it was out of print for years, and it still had a cult following. But I they think got I this first m- listened to it on YouTube. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll t- we were talking about the YouTube recommendation algorithm kind of being really you know make or making an artist or yeah. bringing artists back. Cause <laughs> there was another video I watched by a guy called Wang who kind of um talks about like kind of interesting oddities that happen on the internet yeah and one of the videos he did was about this japanese city pop artist and uh it was the story kind of connected to the photographer actually funnily enough to bring it back to today's theme i guess but um the the video itself got like 15 million views like an insanely high number but it was from the 80s and kind of was you know lost in the passage of time but the YouTube algorithm got kind of stuck in there. Heaps of people listened to it and loved it and it got insanely popular again. And a similar thing happened to Plantasia and now it's getting repressed. Yeah. Because there was only bootleg copies of it before. Ah, I, I, I believe there was an original vinyl pressing but there may have only been one. Yeah. yeah. Super it, was like, it was like early oh, 70s. So yeah. It was kind of almost like a demo reel for Moogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, essentially. Like you listen to it and you're like, shit, I want to I want synth now. Yeah. Moog Back in the plants. day. Yeah. Some, you know some people definitely... I've got got I, around that back in the day. Just I got a really cool record from. I don't here, think people actually. were using it to, li- to play their plants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, most of the men <laughs> they were using them with plants. Yeah, to the plants. Yeah, yeah, because it's meant to be like music that your plants will love. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But sorry, back to the point you were making. <laughs> oh no, no, that's right. Well, uh, what was I saying? All oh, right, I got another kind of similar record from here about a year and a half ago. It's called Everything You Ever Wanted to Hear on the Moog Synthesizer. And it's like all these oh. old classical tunes. It's got a bit of a... It's another one with a bit of a cult following. Yeah. Was it like a Reader's Digest? Um, like <laughs> yeah, it's on that level. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all like... It's all like uh, classical songs, but composed on on Moog synthesizers. Yeah. yeah. And um, and yeah, it's it's cheesy as hell, but it's a good laugh. I picked up like five oh, bucks. Yeah. Th- what's, um, what's her name made it? Um, uh, Suzanne Suzanne um, someone yeah, yeah there was a documentary there's that no nah, it's not her the, the group is called the. she might be part of the group actually the group yeah. is called the Mighty Moog oh okay there was another person though that used I don't know if they were Moog synthesizers but she definitely used synthesizers to redo classical compositions there's a, so much of that stuff like yeah. I, it's actually it, it, it's funny like working in a record shop you, you never you can never really guess what people are going to be into collecting. No. But so many people are into collecting those like Moog plays, you know, Bach or Moog plays Beatles or Moog plays. I've thought about that making that my, my little oh, yeah. collection niche is, oh, it's, is, yeah, is, is the, the Moog demo there's, albums. Yeah. Moog there's, there's no such, well, 
unless you walk into an op shop pretty much but even if you go walk into any record shop and look in their bargain bin or just look at the stuff that's been sitting there for ages you never know what you're gonna find it's there's always someone out there who who is looking for it and it's just one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of yeah kinda thing. oh definitely like if you're into kamal you you're gonna oh man you could have every kamal record you're living times, your best life <laughs> times like a hundred yeah 100 <laughs> percent. Well, i actually i went op shopping yesterday and um yeah I, I, all i could find was like scottish bagpipes kamal yeah, yeah exactly. uh, like harry seekham um the naked vicar have you ever seen that one <laughs> really, really no, suspect covers. Like, I'm not even gonna, for, for fear of like controversy, I'm not even gonna actually <laughs> describe what was on the cover of this one. But yeah. like, go and one Google. that would not be accepted today is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely not. Like, this is all humor once upon a time as yeah. well. But yeah, is this like 70s? Um, it must 60s. have been yeah, 70s. But yeah, just Google naked vicar or whatever cover, <laughs> and you'll see what comes up. Yeah, there were some pretty raunchy covers back then. Definitely. All the German ones, the German like Top of the Pops albums and stuff like that, they all have super raunchy covers, and it is people who collect those as well, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, I bet. Really, really sexually suggestive covers. If there's not, um, yeah, like a certain amount of percentage of skin on the cover, they won't keep it on their shelf. And you, I think there are a lot of loser about that sort of thing in Europe as well, though. Like, they, they seem pretty loosey goosey about it all back then. Yeah, there's some strange. Yeah, I suppose it was trying to push the envelope as much as the music it's like do you go re- do you go record digging when you're on tour in like c- international I, cities ah uh, this is the thing we have this like because me our tour manager um jack and um and now chris young who's uh, plays with us as well he we're like addicts with vinyl so we're, when we're on tour we'll just we'll all see a store and we're all just like oh come on and all of us are just like no don't go in because you can't it's so hard to get stuff back like you have to carry it around with you everywhere for a start and when you're going in and out of the van in a different city every day you just you don't want to be carrying it's around an heaps of records like i might get like two or three and then i can bring them back in a tote bag like it's carrying on luggage or whatever but it's kind of like it's a curse because you find so much good stuff like, yeah i mean we did a we did a show in rough trade records in london um a few weeks ago and that was just torture they're like yeah you guys can get 30 percent off and like it's all good and we're all just like oh like control control yourself because it must you know. be the worst part about touring yeah it, well, yeah probably have either I mean, of you gone record <laughs> digging in uh japan no it's on my bucket no, list though. i will i hear actually um kyoto is the place to go if you want to go vinyl digging in japan that's like the from from what i hear that's the the vinyl capital of of japan and disc union you probably would have heard of that place yeah i've heard it yeah, yeah. Disc Union. so yeah. that's that's sort of like i don't know if it's it, it must be independently owned but that's like the the major record store chain in yeah. in japan and it's so huge and they've got such a massive selection of like used vinyl that they have like a separate disc union store for each genre of music so there's what? like a, there's like a disc union jazz uh disc union rock and roll disc union yeah. r&b disc union electronic or whatever insane like i would Makes imagine that look like a crate <laughs> yes. I, was, I was trying to think of something yeah Palette. yeah i uh, mean yeah. amoeba is like a mega store but i suppose like these are like 
specialized stores for each genre of music. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, and uh, like people like among record collectors, people, even people who are just mildly into it, everyone wants to go record uh, shopping in Japan. Like it's just the kind of thing because uh, obviously you know you got yeah. the Japanese covers with the how they've got the paper sleeves over it. And it's a li- there's, there's an extra element to the artwork, yeah, well, and the, the spine things, actually, and then the yeah. Japanese bonus tracks as well it's, are a thing. Yeah. So they want it's really weird. Like we got asked to do a, a Japanese. I think it was like a Japanese pressing or something of the, of our latest record, but they said you had to have a bonus track in there. Yeah, so I, 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 do you, you know why? Wow. I know the answer to why. Yeah, yeah. Okay. at least okay. I believe Blinders. I do. It's something to do with Japan's tax system. Oh yeah. And yeah. what happens is it's to combat the problem that they would have where um, people living in Japan would just order their records from you know overseas, locally uh, overseas, like just, so over just encourage people to shop local. Yeah, yeah, and so they were losing a lot of money to people ordering it from neighboring countries. Mm. And then what um, they did is they put the Japanese bonus track so people would buy locally. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I'll be there next month, but I'm not going to Kyoto, which is yeah. setting now. I'm sure there's about plenty this. of other places, though. I think there's probably Discun in, like, probably in Tokyo. all over Japan. I yeah. mean, if they've got a shop for every be. genre, I'm sure they've at least branched out to other Japanese cities. Yeah, so. yeah. In 20 years' time, we'll have, like, a JB Hi-Fi for every genre, I'm sure. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> in the dystopian like, future that we're <laughs> headed towards Shannon Noel records on special <laughs> yeah coming to a Westfield shopping center near you yeah. Shannon Noel live <laughs> Daryl Braithwaite <laughs> I remember when playing horses for 18 yeah. hours Delta horses Goodrum loop. came to the JB Hi-Fi I worked at who did? Delta Goodrum oh really? yeah She's what's she like in real life I, I didn't meet her i was there that day but you weren't basically allowed to they, make eye contact with her in the store she performed in like the center of the shopping center but it was you know a jb hi-fi event yeah and then what you could do is they ha- they just took heaps of stock of the cds and you could get it signed and obviously you know that's how they made the money yeah we it. yeah we did that, that impulse purchase because yeah. you know who calculates a delta goodrum purchase sorry delta <laughs> this is not an attack on Delta Good. Yeah, she actually clarify. seems very, she very seems lovely. Like a lovely, yeah. wholesome, yeah, wholesome lady. Yeah, she's got very innocent eyes. She, yeah, she's probably never done anything <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to she back was to she was an angel sent down <laughs> upon Australia to grace our screens. What are her bangers now? What's she bringing out now? Uh, she she just hosts X Factor. I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, yeah. or she's a judge, I should say. She's a judge. Yeah. What's her name? Trying to shut X Factor down. Um, what's that? What's her name? The Sydney <laughs> Premier. Wait, trying what? Sh- no, he's trying to sh- shut down the X Factor. <laughs> Who? No, what's her name? Oh. Someone actually tried a to singer do this. Or no, like a- no, the lady that was against um, ecstasy. Sydney. Yeah, the Premier. Uh, yeah. What's her name? Uh, not. Ah. Uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. I'm yeah, picture, I'm I know picturing her face because Brown Cardigan's posted her heaps. Oh, but, what's um, her name? Something yeah. she's and got people like always a, make memes about how she's just like always against fun. Yeah, she's a bit of a demure-looking. Yeah. Stop it! Like yeah. she's a bit yeah. dour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, in my head, I, I was like piecing together her with the X Factor, and then anyway, just went nowhere. I didn't make the dot. <laughs> just the, the, the neurons didn't fire. The, the neurons did not fire. Uh, I had two different stories. 
I had a question actually. I wanted to I wanted to ask you, and it goes back to the touring thing. Yeah. Um, what was it? One of my all time favorite bands, Interpol. What What was it like to tour with those guys? Oh, Interpol. Yeah, it's good. Like I suppose, like you don't really get to hang out with bands when you the support if they kind of have their own little world. Yeah. They're really nice guys. Like it's a we're we were amazed they asked us because we've done we did a show with them in Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. I remember a seeing one that one time show and then. They asked us to do two more shows in Germany, so it was just—it's cool. Like they—they—we're kind of completely different bands. Well, yeah, exactly. Different, totally different jo- like different genres and different yeah. vibe, different. Feeling, it's more—that's more of a thing now. I've noticed. Yeah, I think used it's to get like what like support acts used to kind of just be like a light version of whatever you were about to see, but yeah. now the thing is like <laughs> they just get something from a genre that's you know maybe the same tempo, but otherwise we're completely like way different. More metal. And they're like kind of yeah yeah I don't know it's strange but it's it's like something like they obviously enjoy mm. like they really like it and they want to show it to you which yeah. is cool and I like that I like that it's changed into that you know yeah. keep your eyes peeled for the next support slot by the Porn Crumpets for Delta Goodrum's upcoming upcoming well this is yeah tour. this is the things we got to keep the you know the doors open um, <laughs> when I've Delta comes knocking you want you want you want to be ready to <laughs> be able to put her in that ready. slot oh man. Yeah, why not? Optus Stadium. See you there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> be there. Be there or Sometime. be... Some Yeah. <laughs> or be square. Yeah. But it was... Yeah. I suppose back to your question, I suppose it was pretty cool seeing... I mean, it's good to see people of that caliber that have been touring for like 20 years. And they're like... Mm. You know, their production and their team and they're just like the way things operate at that level. You get a real inside kind of... How it's like, like a of shit, how, yeah, yeah, the professionalism of yeah the professionalism and how the how the whole thing kind of runs mm. behind you know in bigger venues and stuff like that. Did you get a cool. chance to like pick their brains about like you know? It, well, I'm sure you weren't like hang, like you said you weren't hanging out all the time, but y- yeah, you, you might have had a. I mean, it yeah. I suppose like it's kind of they keep to themselves quite a bit. Mm. Like they'll just kind of be in their green room and and we'll be in ours and sort of say hello in passing and yeah. You know, thank them for the sh- you know getting us on for the shows and stuff. But I suppose it's not, especially with that sort of level. Uh, I suppose it, with their level, it's sort of I don't know. There is that kind of separation. Mm. You know? mm. But then, yeah, it was like I suppose the closer you get to the level of the band you're supporting, you know, that separation kind of comes down. It shouldn't be like that, but it, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's funny how that is, but I yeah. can I can definitely. I, I guess as well. When like you've been touring for yeah, as you said, like twenty years or so, like they might the amount might of support the bands, yeah, you, you would have, yeah, to yeah, you kind of just need yeah. to have your nest, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, and they, yeah. they're all, they are in their like like forties, like it's not a know, it's so. not an endless party for them anymore. It's probably no, more of a they're probably yeah. avoiding us, so we don't we're not a terrible influence, you know, <laughs> yeah, because you know we're still no even even in the last two three years, I've I've chilled out quite a bit. On tour, I suppose that can't keep it up. Yeah. Who would be like? Have you ever had a moment where you've uh, supported band and you've just been like, man, this is like, uh, like, have you got a favorite band that you supported or like, or played with in general? Oh man. Or who supported you? So many, so many bands. Like, I mean, obviously, like one of I think it was like our third ever gig we played the uh, the Giz Fest. They had that Perth mm. Giz Fest here, and that was just awesome i think they just released quarters and they were playing the river and stuff and i was like you know so stoked and that was like before we were you know we were 
it's like in our very very infant stages as a band yeah. as well which was just awesome um suppose who else now i'm trying to think who else who else we've supported that blew my mind um uh, i actually played recently with home shake in Manchester, oh, nice. which was really cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird. The ve- venue was a weird vibe, but that was yeah, amazing. Like to to see that, that was cool. Um, just trying to think, my brain's like. I'll put you on the spot. Memories, now. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it becomes like all a blur after a while. So obviously, like you know, the each moment is uh, significant, but like yeah, so many. In I the mean, sporting royal blood was cool. Like. Yeah, that's that would, pretty cool. You know, they're they're an amazingly heavy band for t- a two-piece. I remember being a bit spun out myself. Yeah, totally. I remember being a bit spun out myself, actually, because I was walking in the shopping centre one day and they had the digital displays and the ad for that gig came up and your logo was, like, splashed <laughs> in the middle of the shopping centre. There's, like, you know, families and all that. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is, you know... It, they, they've entered a new uh, realm of... Uh, of uh, you know logo pushing the, <laughs> pushing the PC envelope, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. porn crumpets envelope. Yeah, yeah. show your kids. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh man, now I'm trying to think. There, there's definitely some bands that I really like that we supported. But oh, we yeah maybe years ago, maybe. Don't even remember. Brain's turned off now. This That's is the right. part you edit Maybe out. just uh, <laughs> just interge- just just interject with it when it when it comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, just randomly you're talking about something completely different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just feel free to change the um, subject. Yeah, that's kind of sad though, isn't it? That I can't just go. No, nah, that's okay. I like we we are rec- recording something live, and I've just asked you a question. Like, yeah, it's pretty easy for you to go. Oh, it's more. It's more like I just remember like. <laughs> what I've done in the last four or five years. <laughs> like, what have I yeah, done? No, that's fair enough. Was I there? Maybe. Who knows, man? Who knows? It's like Woodstock. If you remember, you weren't even there. Someone's man. got <laughs> one of those things from Men in Black and just yeah. all the bands you've ever played with. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great movie, the first one. That was a childhood favourite of yeah, mine. Yeah, it's great. We went downhill after that, but the, that first one. Now we've got Hemsworth in at the helm. He's the new MIB. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw an ad for can, that on Can a the bus. world handle mm. such a handsome uh, man in black? <laughs> they already handled him dressed as a Viking. That's sure true. They can, sure they can handle him in a suit. Now that it's Marvel's... Clean-cut Viking. So I, I've not gone into Marvel films, but apparently this last one is like the end of it, of this era of... Is it the Mar- one that's called Marvel Endgame? Films? Yeah, yeah. Apparently... Apparently they're they're done for a, a while at least. I hope so. I find it hard to believe though. It's a little bit exhausting now. <sighs> the world's get it's getting sad for, especially cult movies at the moment. Like things are just getting tarnished. Well, it's all kind or remade. Of like <laughs> remade, yeah. But that that's that's exact. Yeah, like the remakes and the you know Disney's yeah. just taking everything for a ride. They finally this got the remaking right Star every Wars. film they've got. It's all over. In real mm. life, with CG, is it's ridiculous. It is so stupid. Yeah, how I about was write something new? Yeah, yeah. how hard's that? There's I was so many shocked, great actually, stories you can tell. Why restrict yourself to those? That's that's yeah, so true. I mean, at the end, well, at the end of the day, I think we all know it's 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 a plenty of other stories that they can uh, you yeah. know rip off copyright. I think it's also laziness. 
Well. Sorry, I cut you off there, Liam. What were you no, saying? No, 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 that's okay. There's, um, yeah. Yeah, I, they've, they bought Fox recently, didn't they? Not? So yeah, they pretty yeah, much own yeah, what's that like. Big news because when they release their streaming service, all The Simpsons will be on it. Yeah, I did. People, uh, people really? will subscribe to that yeah. just for The Simpsons. I They're going to be. I, I will be. At the moment, The Simpsons has its own streaming service in the US, but that was prior to um, no Disney buying about Fox. That. Yeah. So there were, who were the other contenders to buy? I suppose it w- um, the amount of money it would cost to buy it. Like HBO could maybe it was afford u- it. Uh, Universal. Maybe not. Uh, UMG, sorry, I should say. UMG. Yeah. And oh, who's the other huge media conglomerate? Um, when I was at uni, we were talking about it because the buying process was happening and it wasn't clear who was going to buy um, Fox, but Dis- everyone was leaning that it was probably going to be Disney. Yeah. But basically, the it was a really interesting study piece because all these different uh, conglomerates have got their streaming services coming out, and Fox has some really strong IP. Yeah. And so it was, um, yeah, it was an interesting uh, scenario because it was gonna kind of give some, one of these huge conglomerates the pretty the much major like, hand, yeah, the, um, the upper hand, and exactly the mon- well the monopoly essentially yeah and so um yeah disney obviously is going to have a pretty because they're, they're going to have star wars simpsons Who don't disney Jesus. own that's probably the question to ask dude there's some like if you look down the chain there's some really interesting kind of like you know companies that you wouldn't realize because it just branches one. out it's like disney look, owns look fox into it. and fox owns. Is, we need eddie bravo here <laughs> <laughs> we need a, like some sort of chart to figure it all out but 100 percent like I mean, I feel a bit conflicted about it, but I will be subscribing purely for on-demand Simpsons. So I, um, so I have a folder on my portable hard drive um, for the TV shows I watch, and the only one that's in there because I keep it as it's the one reliable show that I will always sit down and enjoy watching is The Simpsons. Yeah, and I, I I've got it as like it's it's the highest quality rip you could get for each season and i've just got it on there and it's seasons one to i think i think i even went up to as far as 20 but like season 15 is kind of where it loses me a lot of people say that i'm very forgiving a lot of people are like even season 12 i thought up to season 17 was pretty good i thought there was some episodes in season 17 that i thought were pretty funny but that's just me are you much into the simpsons rich i i was i haven't simpsoned in quite some time though i think i overdid cartoons i think i just went you know all the family guy all of south park all the simpsons all that you know for for a few years and then i sort of just yeah maybe i got over cartoons yeah i think i have done the same as well however the simpsons was just so much more monumentous than all the other cartoons like there was something more to the simpsons obviously because we had this culture of the six o'clock Simpsons and being a kid growing yeah, up with yeah, that around, yeah, like you're always watching Simpsons because always... it's such a great show. Uh, it eclipses like pretty much any other animated show, I think. In it's terms already of, been, yeah. in terms of rewatchability as well, like because the jokes are so clever and like because you've been watching it from such a young age and there's so much political satire and so so many like layered, so much layered humor in in each episode that. Um, Every time you watch an episode, I, I get another joke that I never yeah. got the first time. I've talked no about it. No matter this how many times I've, I've seen it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, and there's because there's jokes in there when you're a kid, you find funny. And then there's but you, also but you don't know why. tones as well. Yeah. 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 Until, until you, you grow up and understand. Yeah. 
but yeah. I don't. I might be wrong, but I read that like some of the people responsible for writing The Simpsons are actually um, like mathematicians. Oh, uh, that's like Futurama. Fut- is it Futurama? Yeah, there are the Matt Groening. Were those show. people yeah. involved They're in The Simpsons at, at any capacity? I don't capacity think though? so. Oh well, may- maybe s- since they started Futurama, but when when they all started, they were all physicists. It was physicists, like physicists, that's right, and mathematicians, yeah. and another wow. uh, STEM field. I think mm. it might have been engineering or something. It's and amazing. there's actually an episode of Futurama that has a formula in there that scientists actually ended up using. Like one of them kind of, I, I've got no idea about how any of this works, but one of them had kind of had a formula that they worked on when they were at uni um, back in the day and they never really touched and were doing the, the writing and then they put it in the show and then other, I think it was maybe mathematicians were looking uh would actually use that model and like they kind of work use that as like a bit of a foundation no yeah. worked on That's it a bit amazing. and it kind of you know actually pushed fu- something an forward. episode of Futurama informed those wow. STEM field workers That's yeah, pretty yeah. Had the That's a pretty like, crazy fact. Yeah. But like you know what, what about um there was okay. a bit of, there was a bit of trivia about the the Simpsons intro where uh, Maggie gets scanned across the like at the uh, supermarket IRS forever. Is that's, it IRS that, forever? Is that what it says? That, that's that's the episode of the the Simpsons where it's the fact that's the clip show. episode. Yeah, right? the clip episode. Yeah, they yeah. say that's what it is, but I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, no, I don't think it is either. But, but that's what. They, yeah, I I did read somewhere that there was a hidden mathematical equation in that oh, like flashing well. in that flashing uh, register thing, the digital display. Yeah, uh, whatever. Wow. I don't know what it is. I don't think you... It's just it, Easter eggs. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of those shows, you know. It's yeah. just so, so clever. Yeah, yeah, much like a lot of music we were talking about before, like a lot of layers to discover new things. And yeah. 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 Back to Because, like, I, I binged The Simpsons from when I was a young age and then once, you know, I kind of went to uni and all that, I stopped, you know, engaging with it and as the episodes started getting going downhill. Stopped watching it for years and then went back and revisited it and yeah it's one of those things where there's so many jokes that you know you're a kid and you know the cue for where you're meant to laugh even though there's no laugh track mm. you know when they there's a setup and a kind of a bit of a punchline and you just kind of laugh because you think you get it yeah and but then when you're an adult you understand that undertone a little bit better mm. and then it, it i think it makes it even more funny what like and you don't really get that with other shows like no you i don't. think that's kind of part of the simpsons lasting appeal so mm. to speak with our generation at least mm. I found that with like Monty Python films as well. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, when yeah. I was a kid. I watched those, and I was just like, yeah, because they were very like middle fingery in a subtle way as well. Like the in the same way The Simpsons is, or maybe less subtle, yeah. but there are a lot of layered subtle subtleties. As yeah, well. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that it's makes clever. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose the same in music. Definitely, like when you sort of get those albums, and you're like, oh, I like that jangly bit, and then you turn out, you grow up, and you're like, oh, that was about. <laughs> something really heavy or you yeah know, like, and you're like oh wow now now it means something completely different to me like maxwell's than, silver hammer. rather than just i like yeah yeah and you're like singing like that <laughs> <Yeah. "Duh, duh, laughs> yeah. and then you yeah. realize it's, it's really got a guy song. like going and you're like why, why did i not <laughs> yeah. like pick, on, pick up on this just before <laughs> into it as a kid like yeah uh, exactly. the beatles were quite um had quite a morbid undertone i think yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like really not uh sort of kosher shit going on with the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like that a lot of people probably still don't know to this day. 
Uh, George Harrison actually produced some of Monty Python stuff, I believe. Yeah, he yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, um, he's actually in Life of Brian. Well, he funded he cameos, it. Yeah, he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he, yeah, he, he funded produced it. it. Yeah, because yeah, they, they had like some. I think the company that was going to make the movie or something pulled out because of yeah. the, I suppose, the risk of the religious kind of joke of it. Um, yeah. And then, and then George pretty much was just like paid for it. Just like, yeah. Yeah. That he then, read the script and he was like, yeah, you guys are definitely like, this has to be released. Yeah. Like, and then he actually cameos in it as well. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Is George your favorite Beatle? Um, George actually, is my yeah. favorite Beatle. Yeah, he's my favorite Beatle. Yeah, Definitely. Liam, who's your favorite Beatle? Um, yeah, I, yeah I de- de- George is my favorite Beatle. But having said that, I enjoy like like John Lennon's music probably more than I enjoy George Harrison's music. Yeah, I never really got a bit of a controversial opinion. I think George, uh, John, John Lennon made like a lot of shit music as well. Yeah. He, but my, Mind Games, like that whole album from start to finish, that's yeah. like my jam. But... George was a more talented songwriter and he was definitely a more talented guitarist and he was like I suppose maybe yeah that's a hard that's a hard one I feel like they all kind of they all brought something different like, yeah and like jo- I like John Lennon's music more probably because it like appeals to like the like m- my popular kind of like you know I, I like a hook and I like the catch yeah I think yeah well George went down like a different path and he sort of went down that kind of um very spiritual. That spiritual enlightenment yeah. kind mm. of path and that there's that all things must pass album which is really great that's yeah. got some that's a yeah absolutely and I, I think that's my favorite solo beatles album 100 all things, all things must, pass. must pass man and it's yeah. epic too and, and it's, it's a double album too I just, yeah it's a triple yeah. actually it's a triple on vinyl right. on mm. cd i think it's a double. i don't think you have yeah. to be such a spiritual person to appreciate that album either like it's just got no so much it's just an uplifting yeah it is yeah piece have you it's watched great. the Scorsese documentary on li- Living in the Material World? It's yes, a two-part yeah. HBO one. Jo- uh, that is an George amazing Harrison. doco. Yeah. I don't have HBO or anything like that. I've what else is it streaming on anything? Like HBO else? don't fuck with anyone. I have... Um, they, yeah, you I where do. can I watch it? Where can up it? I do have oh, a, Foxtel, a couple sorry, of... Foxtel. Uh, oh, Foxtel. Yeah, yeah okay. I've got a couple of MP4s somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to track those down for sure. But uh, actually, Scorsese recently did a... Um, I think another film about... Oh, no, no, sorry. The first one he did that I was aware of was about the Rolling Stones. I did the, the and Bob then he Dylan did one recently. Rolling Thunder Review. Yeah, I haven't someone, watched that yet. I, I someone told me about it the other day. Yeah, apparently it's really good. But yeah, he's like... His uh, music documentaries are fucking really, really good. Yeah. Um, he's so well-researched and like he, he gets... I don't know. Like I suppose it depends. I haven't seen Rolling Thunder Review. I don't know if he gets any new footage of Bob Dylan or whether he's a sound layer from old footage or whatever, but... Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's. I don't old think Bob footage. Dylan's. Yeah, probably into doing. He, new I know he is Bob. Yeah, now. he does. Yeah, okay. It's like a retrospective a thing. A, yeah, back and forth in time. Oh, so he does have actually have. Yeah. He interviews he Bob Dylan, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's, he's not a very public yeah. person these days. No. Yeah. He's still gigging. He's doing. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He toured last year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's one I definitely want to see, but um. Yeah, I wasn't aware he did. Um, he did another one as well. Yeah, about I don't know um, what else he's, he's probably done loads. Yeah, oh, probably. did he do the? Did he do Crossfire Hurricane? Yeah, yeah, that was the first one that Stones I was aware one. of. Yeah, that yeah. W- that was more of like a. I was that a that documentary? Is that was that good? like a? It was a live. It was concert a, basically, wasn't it? No, oh, no, okay. that's um, 
Oh, that's Shana, Shana Light? Shana Light. So he's done it's, a couple of Stones ones. Yeah, yeah. Crossfire Hurricane's like the history start yeah, to finish. Yeah, right, right. No, I haven't seen that one. I have um, seen Shana Light. And the, ex- the other one that's really good, I don't know if Scorsese did it, but Exile on Main Street, that is about... I have seen a documentary it's where about it's album, about or? the writing process and how they had to live in, in a mansion in, in France, France because yeah. they were like, they were uh, wanted for tax evasion and... Yeah. Oh, what? So, yeah. yeah, so they basically... I, know, I have no idea about this. That's a weird English, story. Um, government was taxing them like 90-something percent because of how much the Stones were earning as a band. So they just like eloped to France, the south of France, and just lived in this massive house, had a truck basically parked out the front of this house that was a mobile recording studio, and they'd run all the lines into the house basement, and they would just have huge like raging parties every night and just living in France and the stories are crazy. That album, Exile I've Main read, Street, was, that's yeah, how it was recorded. That's the album. Yeah. Exile yeah. Main Street was oh, made. In, I think they did a bit of tracking in America as well, but maybe some overdubbing was, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just like the, oh, the stories are crazy. Oh man. Like, it's insane. Keith, Keith had like a, like a, thousand dollar a day heroin habit or something yeah, like that yeah it caused a lot of problems because like they between recording like someone had to go and find keith richards like a thousand bucks worth of heroin each day yeah yeah <laughs> before he was actually functional yeah so it was like oh cool we wake up to, we gotta and go they had like speedboat he had like his speedboat and he just go yeah. out on the uh, like the stories are nuts and then the, like the navy ships would come in and they would go out on the speedboat and the Navy ships would throw them like pounds of, of marijuana off the what? onto the speedboats. And then they would like bring them back to the house because <laughs> the house had its own private dock. I'm watching this tonight. It's, Dude, a part, it's, yeah. the, it's am, one of the greatest. It's a part, of, yeah. 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 It's, it's a part of the reason. Exile on Main Street. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. watched it so many times. I love it. It's, and you will listen so to cool. you'll listen to Exile now and you'll be like, you, you'll love you're it. in a totally different light. Yeah. yeah well. Recontextualize it. Yeah. It's a yeah. real, yeah. It's strange though, because the, the album's so heavily influenced by like uh, American music and country music. Mm, mm. But, it's like in France, like yeah, so but recorded kind of by British people. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy it's, though. Like they it's were brilliant. They were really good at like channeling different influences. Yeah, and, uh, like staying ahead, like maybe not ahead of the curve, but like staying remaining relevant. Like yeah, you yeah. listen to. Yeah, I was actually I was listening to Emotional Rescue today before I before I closed up. I think that's my favorite Stones. Yeah, and record. there's like heaps of disco-y vibes on that album. Very disco, yeah. Mm. yeah um, miss, the song Emotional Rescue, one, it? it's a disco tune. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah the the Stones and Kiss they're the two like bands of that kind of you know era oh, genre yeah, of course. that had the that def- my favorite albums of theirs are the disco ones so Dynasty Dynasty yeah and yeah. that that has a Rolling Stones cover on it too it does um yeah. two thousand man two thousand man and yeah honestly Satanic, I think Kiss does it better Satanic Majesty's request yeah yeah that was that was like um. Have you heard that album? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's got... Um, it's a blatant, uh, you know, competing piece for, uh, you know, there was like Pet Sounds, there was... Uh, Sergeant Peppers. Sergeant Peppers. Yeah, it's definitely and a that was their Yeah. It's, it's got some good... Yeah. It's got, it's kind of like... It's not as... I don't think it's done as well as the Beatles did it because they were kind of a little bit... I don't know. It was it was kind yeah. of just a... The Beatles did it f- first and, and they like, kind she's of a tried to copy it. Like that, yeah, exactly. Did, and the Beatles didn't we joke about this that. today? Beatle, the Beatles did it. Um, oh, the Beatles Simpsons did it. Yeah, the Beatles, the Beatles did, it. did it. Is the new Simpsons did it? But for music, uh, music. Like, yeah, there you go. Maybe Beatles we can make it. that uh, a thing. Because we were uh, talking about the, the infinite, 
you talking the about? Infinite the Infinite Locked Groove. The Locked Groove at the end of the record. and Which album? Yeah. So that was a Beatles thing originally, wasn't it? I think it's Sergeant, at the end of... The Sa- Locked Groove? It's at mm. Sergeant Peppers, isn't Sergeant it? Peppers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of them saying, can't do it any other way. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what they're saying. It's kind it of like distorted. Way. And it just keeps yeah. going around and around and around. I've never noticed that. Yeah, and, and Not King all pressings have it. Okay, It's only some of them. The ones you want. Yeah. The ones you want, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's, I still don't have Sergeant Peppers in my collection for that reason. When they did the remaster, I think the remaster has the lock group, but it's super expensive. Mm, okay. But have you listened to the remaster of Sergeant Peppers? No. I, mean, when that came I out don't know how I feel. I'm, I'm not... No, trust me. Yeah, okay. You, you want to... All right. Well, here's the thing. So, um, you know how you got the mono versions of the albums and the stereo versions? Yeah. I th- actually, I think Sergeant Peppers just had a stereo version anyway. But when they did the remasters of the... Uh, the original series of remasters or the stereo masters I should say sorry of the Beatles albums they did it basically in afternoon and it was super rushed the drums are panned all the way to one side on a lot of tracks and yeah I think I've got a version kind yeah, of like that. yeah yeah it like I, I originally didn't care about it and then I heard an interview with Paul McCartney where he said there were he heard things again that he completely had forgotten about even though he checks in so to speak with those albums so this is remastered at Abbey Road, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah. remix remaster. Remixed it came out about a year, a year or two ago, but yeah. they only did Sergeant Peppers. Like or, they is did it the Audio Fidelity a few years is it, ago. Is it that label, Audio Fidelity? I don't know. I oh, it'll be on Apple. The, the oh, so it wasn't a vinyl release. Still. It was like a. It's on vinyl. They okay. did it. They did everything: vinyl, CD, um, and uh, digital. It's, but it's like if you look up the 2017 edition, I think it is. It's interesting though because there it's was very yeah. good. It's I yeah. originally was like, oh, how much better can it get? And then I listened to it and I was like, okay. wow, this is. I'll give very it a different. go. It's it's a com- it yeah. might as well be a completely different listening experience. Really? Okay. Yeah, wow. It's very different. So I remember yeah. I, I, there was a, someone made a comment. There was like a documentary or something where uh, they were like, "What's the best way to listen to a Beatles album?" And the guy, it was an engineer, was working with them at the time. Not, not, um, not George Martin. Not, no, not George. It was uh, another guy. And he was saying, listen to the Beatles in mono because that's how they would have heard it. Because yeah. that, a lot of the time they were traveling and touring during, well, during, I suppose, this was right up until before they stopped touring altogether. But they were getting sent the mixes via mono. So they were approving stuff. Basically, by, not that they were engineers or anything, but they, you know what I mean. They were they, yeah. their final sign-offs on all Beatles mixes were in mono, pretty much, which is interesting. Yeah, so you'd be like, do you want to hear it how they heard it, or do you want to hear it? Yeah, how the engineers <laughs> how they engineered it, basically in stereo yeah. field, like. Yeah, I suppose it. There, actually, there was a record store day this year. There was a re-release of the um, the first Woodstock compilation on vinyl. So you would have seen that around. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's the it's basically the PA mix. Yeah. So I was gonna say that's the soundboard mix. Hey? Yeah, 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 it's in full mono. Uh, it's it's the fully expanded edition. So all of the tracks that were cut down originally for the first release, they've uh, they've reinstated those. Put it on a triple vinyl, and you're basically hearing what you would have heard if you were standing somewhere in the crowd, in between in between the PA speakers. Yeah, it's wow. I'm not gonna say it's 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 pretty rough, but <laughs> I mean, having yeah, said what that, what do you expect for a desk mix back then? Yeah, exactly. Like, but having yeah. said that, just for the sake of like the importance of it, yeah, and the flavor as well, yeah, from it. to hear yeah. it, and it's all the um, you hear all the 
the introductions and all the banter from through the mics and everything and um yeah it's just a di- like you said it's um close your it's eyes a different experience yeah i suppose yeah. that goes back to what we were talking about earlier where using ambient noise and using environmental sounds with music kind of yeah makes well, you feel like you're somewhere else that's yeah. how brian eno got into ambient music because he was i think the story is that he was at home one day and he couldn't get his stereo system worked properly or something and it was only just working and then the rain came in and like he was hearing you know the rain hitting his roof and he you know had this spark of a moment where he was like oh what if you could create music that's equally in the background as it is you know listenable and yeah pay attention to it and that was kind of the the catalyst for him to start exploring ambient and that's you know Back then, that was Brian Eno was a rock star, and you know now we know him as like that ambient electronic. Yeah, yeah, he's way more well known. He's definitely, yeah. yeah. A lot of people like probably don't even know that he was in Roxy Music, and you know, yeah, I I always forget about. I didn't know that. I'd heard of Eno long before I knew he was in Roxy Music. I had no idea that he produced the first Devo album. Yeah, yeah, he's produced like you look at his production like credit like he's man, he's done so much that. I had no idea that he did. Like he he produced uh, U2's like probably biggest albums as well. And yeah, um, I, I had know. no because I, I only looked up his credits the other day because I listened to that Boards of Canada to our mixtape. Yeah. Um, and the Devo tracks stood out to me, and I looked up the track listing, and I was like, "Wow, that's a really interesting song." I always wiped mm. that you know Devo was obviously always the Whippet band. Yeah, and I just thought it was like a funky you know, cocaine song from back in the yeah. day, you know, like, and, and just, you know, yeah. just played a mix 94.5 and that's yeah. as much as I assume oh, yeah. about it. And then, uh, oh, Devo I was like, gods, wow, man. Devo. I was like, oh, and I was like, man, Boards of Canada are playing Devo. And so yeah, I went through band. and you I do. looked at that album and I was like, man, this is brilliant. And mm. they were like, you know, they were very they started as a quirky punk punk band. Punks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rock, art punk. Are do, you we know the, do you know how they, the, what, why they're called Devo? Uh, it's something to do with like um, they they came up with this concept of like the devolution of of, of man. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like, well, uh, it was a popular theory at the time that yeah. the university they went at, which had a shooting, and there was something that happened in response. I didn't read the full story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and that's how that that it was a bullshit theory, and it was quite racist. Yeah, and now we're kind of parodying it. Yeah, the whole band was it. a parody, yeah. like the energy domes and the fucking matching jumpsuits and just the, just the general tongue and cheek nature of everything they were doing. It was kind of like, yeah, going back to what you were saying, like they they started as an art punk band and they were basically just like satirizing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's well, there's definitely that other layer to them. Very um, much like the residents in that way. Mark. Yeah. What's his name? Mark Mothersberg from Devo. Went on to I do mothers, mothers boy, or was it mother, mother, mother's mother, mother, mother's You're probably right. So he did, he did a bunch of Wes Anderson soundtracks. Oh, for real, which movies? So he did Rushmore. Um, I think he had some involvement in Grand Budapest, and possibly love that. Don't film. hold me to that, but I think yeah. But the main one he did was was the Rushmore soundtrack. Been meaning to watch it was in film, between. Yes. It's a great movie. It's mm. like part sort of. Um, garage rock kind of soundtrack, and then like there's all these really cool little makes total sense actually. Ingles in between. There's a Devo song on the soundtrack to Life Aquatic. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's quite involved with Wes. Yeah, in lots yeah. of stuff. There you go. He, did he not? He, he passed away, I think, didn't he? Was that his brother? 
because I think there were two brothers in Devo. The mother's I, four brothers. Oh uh, no, he's he's still alive. Mark is, I'm pretty sure. One of um, them, because he does art shows and stuff now as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Apparently, the story goes that Brian Eno and David Bowie were fighting over who would get to produce them because they both were like, "Wow, this is yeah, you know, right, this is something." Mm. And yeah, Bowie and Eno really fought over it, and Eno won in the end. I'm glad because I think it suits Eno a bit more, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, well, in retrospect, I mean, well, I was reading as well that, that it kind of didn't go as well as planned, and that you know, Brian Eno show took a lot of tried to show them a lot of direction but they kind of resisted mm. and that from what i could read or from the tone i was gathering at least that it kind of seemed like they you know were upsetting themselves for not kind of trusting eno's direction a little bit more at the time yeah and only yet he recorded synths for a lot of tracks but they only ended up using them on like four of the tracks is which album four. is this by the way which the Devo first album? one uh are we are we not men we, Devo. yeah yeah so did he produce any of their other albums or was it just that I one? I think it was just that one. I think they moved on after that one. Yeah. I think. Because they definitely went, they took a more um, new wave approach to their songwriting after yeah. that, which was, again, I think I was like a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of move as well because new wave was like massive, but a lot of people in new wave were taking themselves very seriously. Yeah. yeah. At the time. Whereas Devo were kind of like a bit of a breath of fresh air, I imagine. Yeah. Like they... Groups like the KLF as well. They're very like that. I, I love art punk bands when you know there's a real kind of statement to art in itself. Did they not like set a million dollars on fire? That's correct. Yeah, they so did. That's a pretty big statement. Really? Basically, yeah. What <laughs> yeah. the KLF wow. did is so they they set up and all their records. Albums. So Jimmy Cordy was part of the Orb with Alex Patterson, um, or Doctor Alex Patterson, however you want to refer to him. He's not actually a doctor. He, that's just, he just does <laughs> he that. He just self he's a, he's himself a, as a doctor. He's an interesting self appointed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wears one of those like things on his head, like the big silver circles. Just yeah. wears that everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably, probably reckons just he's like a, stethoscope. a doctor of dub or something like that. <laughs> dub doctor. Yeah, yeah. Probably something like that. But um, uh, yeah, so Jimmy Cordy was in uh, the orb and then they split up and he created the KLF with. Um, Bill Drummond, who was an A&R rep for a record label. And so I think the first thing they did is they wrote the manual. Have you heard of the manual? No. So it was the first release they did. It's the manual by the KLF. You can only get it as a PDF um, online. If you Google it. So it's like a... Like a ma- not like a manuscript. What's the word I'm thinking? Of? Uh, manifesto. A manifesto. But it kind of, yeah. It's, it's basically <laughs> that, but it's... It's called the manual, uh, the number one way to, oh, the easy way to make a number one hit, I think is the sub headline. Yeah. And it's basically <laughs> them going through the whole process. It is a little dated because this is like early 90s. Mm. And so a lot of things aren't relevant anymore. But basically, it's they're talking directly to the audience and they're telling you exactly what to do to make a number one hit. And so they're like, all right, now what you're going to do is you're going to open up the yellow pages and you're going to find a recording studio. But you don't want to go the cheapest one. You want to find one where the the guy recording it is you're paying a little bit more and he's willing to kind of do extra things for you for this reason that reason blah 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 blah. the next thing you're going to do is going to go you're going to write some songs and you'll do it in this key and blah 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 blah. then it takes you all the way to the to the end of performing big concerts right because bill drummond was an actual a and r rep so he knew the industry top to bottom really well and jimmy cordy coming in with the art punk sensibility Mm. even though bill drummond is in his own right too 
anyway they wrote that book and they released some albums too um but they were like ambient albums very much like the orb yeah um and then basically they or maybe maybe those albums came first and then they wrote the book i think actually that is the right order the few ambient albums first then they wrote the book and then what they did is they put their uh, they put their what they uh, preached into practice and they created some number one hits yeah so 3am eternal was one of them and then they had another one called doctor in the tardis where they it was like a doctor who song and they yeah. were all dressed up in like doctor who kind of gear and <laughs> for the music video and uh they released those songs and they got huge in the uk were making absolute bank you know their music was being used in the dance scene and then they um uh they got asked to perform at the brit awards and they perform. They said, "Yeah, we will." But instead of performing, what they did is they got a grindcore band to come out and perform their soul song. <laughs> it was and the so band. it's like these guys. I, it, it, it was another band, and they they were on stage with them, playing, and they had the. It, it's gone from vocals of like soul singers to mm. you know scree- literal screeching. And then one of them, you wouldn't be able to do this today. I think it's Bill Drummond. He comes out with a machine gun with blanks and fires blanks into the crowd. <laughs> oh the curtains God. drop and they announce over the PA, the KLF has quit the music industry and they literally deleted their whole back catalog. So you can't buy it anymore. You can't, no one can make royalties off it. Like they fully removed themselves what? from the music industry. The only way to, to get their music is to pirate it or to buy a secondhand copy. That is some amazing serious statement and and they so they did that and they but they said the klf has quit for i think it was 27 years i think it was is that what they announced the klf has quit the music industry for 27 years yeah i think they followed it with a statement but anyway what they did is so that they they pulled their catalog they no one was making they weren't making money anymore they fully stuck to their word and then they thought okay well We've got all this money. What are we going to do? And so they had this idea that um, they would create the K Foundation, which would be a place where basically a halfway house for musicians, <laughs> where musicians could live basically rent-free, not have to worry about paying the bills and the rent, and they could focus solely on their art. And they th- I think it was about a year they did that or something like that. And it just it went terribly because they came to the conclusion that, because uh, everything that came out of it was shit. Yeah. And they came to the conclusion that great art comes from great adversity yeah you know and great struggle yeah and that's where they they kind of um you know realized that this wasn't a good idea so they they pulled out the k foundation and then they were like all right we got a million pounds left um so way more than a million dollars even and they said we got a million pounds left what do we do with that and they kind of philosophized about how they didn't like how the money was controlling them and you know the decisions they were making and they said let's burn it so what they did is um because most countries it would be a crime to do that is they they figured out there was a loophole that if they flew to this island they could do it on the island and burn it and not be held legally liable so they flew to this island it was like off scotland or something like that and they filmed (laughs) themselves doing it and they they took it around and they toured it just to get people's reactions but they didn't make any money off the tour like they made sure that there was no element where people could pin them and being like, oh, you know, you burnt a million pounds, but now you're making two million by, yeah. you know, showcasing it. Yeah. But they, they fully like did not make money off it. And there's a clip on YouTube of them on a like a Q&A style panel show. Yeah. And it's Jimmy Corti, uh and Bill Drummond on this panel. 
and the singer from Def Leppard. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those ones where the crowd asks questions. Yeah. And people are really upset um, about this. And because people are like, oh, you could have given that money to homeless people. Or, you know, you could have fixed these problems. And their point is like, hey, no, there's no less loaves of bread in the world because of this. You know, and it was kind of a statement on... So they were trying to say, oh, it's an economical problem. It's not like... Yeah, it's, it, it, they were kind of commenting on how, like, reliant we are humanity-wise on economics as well. Like, yeah. You know, but they weren't even saying that. Like, that was a, obviously an element to it. But, you know, the the point he makes as well is, hey, if we spent this on sex, drugs, and rock and roll, no one would give a shit. Um, yeah. But because it's, fact- it's a lost opportunity that you think, oh, funny, I had that money that people get upset. Yeah, exactly. And it was really funny because when I, I found that out when I got into the KLF through venturing through ambient music. And I remember reading that story. And then the next day I went home to mum's for lunch and I told my mum the story. And I was like, listen to this crazy story I found from this band from the 90s. Um, and, you know, there was nothing that triggered me to investigate them. And, you know, my mum found that quite interesting. And anyway, left lunch, went back home and said, see your mum, blah, blah, blah. And she's, I'm driving and she calls me up and she goes, you should put on the ABC radio right now. They're talking about your band. And I was like, oh, which one? And then I put on the radio and they were talking about the KLF doing this. Oh, and wow. it was just like the pure coincidence, like one of those crazy, you know, uh, we live in a matrix kind of moments. Yeah. yeah. But um, but the they were talking about it because there was a lady who'd written a book and it was about um, uh, opportunity, uh, about money and why, the psychology of money. Yeah. And, the point she made she uses the klf situation of them burning the million pounds as kind of the main you know kind of point of return in terms of looking at examples of people getting upset over money and all that but they were saying that the parts of the brain that uh involved with tools so you know using instruments but also opportunity light up when we see money and you know it also releases an endorphin release so it's this it's one of the few things that does that engages those two parts of the brain. Mm. And that's why people are getting really upset because with that comes a lot of emotion. Because it's a means to an end, I guess. Yeah, it, me- it means a lot of things. It re- it's a representation of a, the exchange of you know goods and services, obviously. Mm. But, you know. but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good a album. That's a cr- crazy story. <laughs> story. I yeah, had nothing yeah. to say. I just wanted to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah There's nothing, a- nothing to add. Can you, just- can you find the footage of them like burning firing it? a gun into the audience and like who yeah was that? oh yeah it's all in there there's someone's put it all in like one 20 minute wow. youtube clip there you i'll go, link it on the podcast as is well. there, yeah, they yeah. need a documentary oh there would be there was few. gotta be yeah there would be a few but I'll is there a uh, scorsese one doing some well, they were very popular back in the day in the 90s yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of them yeah i just yeah. didn't realize that whole very story. similar to devo in that art punk sensibility mm. yeah. we just had their album through through the shop a nice pristine secondhand copy of the klf yeah, I sold it though. What? Yeah. Oh, which one was it? Uh, it's the one with the speaker on the cover, the blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's all right. I'm not into that. It wasn't one, one of their ambient <laughs> ones. It was yeah. like, uh, it was very house. That's the house one. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, uh, I think it's the white room. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Um, there's, they're re- they're, my favorite album of theirs is called uh, Chill Out. And it's this, it's very light avalanche. It's Rish, you would love it. Okay. It's a, um, Chill Out. It's, an, it's called Chill Out by the KLF and it, it's a sample based album just like the Avalanches. The Avalanches would have drawn a lot of inspiration. Yeah, from yeah, it. cool. And the idea is that the concept is that you're traveling through the Southwest of America and like you're on a train and you can 
you know, your past cars where like Jimi Hendrix is being blasted out and they've got these samples. Yeah, but then I it love goes that. into yeah, like real yeah. kind of rhythms, but it's a very journey esque kind of yeah, album. Yeah, great. It's awesome. Wow. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, you, you know, The Orb, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they got the Adventures Beyond the Ultra World album. It's kind of like that in a way. Yeah, okay. There's yeah. a really cool actual album from The Orb technically um, when Jimmy Cordy was still in it and it's called Space and each tr- it's a similar kind of sample thing and each track is, you know, each planet. So Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, yeah, Uranus, Neptune and I think at the time Pluto as well. Um <laughs> Poor Pluto. Yeah, he's been demoted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll leave it there. And Rish, so um, just to kind of cap it off, um, so you, you've got your project, People Taking Pictures, coming out soon. It doesn't seem like you've got a date. Yeah, Do you have a date I, yet? I mean, yeah, I, it's, I suppose it's close to being finished. Yeah, um, you are teasing at the moment. You've got an Instagram going yeah, for it yeah, and all I've that. Just so been, yeah, putting making bits really out there. short, yeah, sort of visual. So what's the pieces. handle for that one? Is it just uh, it's some people taking pictures. Some people taking pictures. Someone got people taking pictures first, so yeah. yeah. I really wanted cool guy one two three four five but that's actually taken yeah i think i've got that one actually cool guy 69 uh yeah yeah Yeah. that one's not taken you have to use like yeah lots of capital letters and man i remember when i worked at eb games there was i'd get we'd sign people up to the loyalty program and uh, some of the emails you get from people were crazy not safe for work yeah, very not safe for work. And it would come from very young people. And you'd be like, wow, I don't even think you know what that means. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. yeah, someone just made me absolutely laugh. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, people taking pictures uh, to be continued. And obviously, yeah. you've got the crumpets. Um, yeah, we've just... Stuff just released. Just and now released. for the... What, what you call, call it? it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is oh, funny because yeah. if you don't know... You, you don't know. You, now you know. No. It's very... I thought... I did think about that when when uh, when uh, when uh, yeah. my record arrived and you I was could, like looking at the artwork and I was like, yeah. You can be like, well... See, when you've forgotten the name of what's it... What's their latest <laughs> record? Is the it, name of what's, it. What do you want to call it? What's the latest... Oh, no, it is that. Was that the kind of concept between the... Uh, I can't... There were a bunch of names thrown around, I think. I don't... I think in the end, Jack was like, now for the what do you call it? And I thought, yeah, that was pretty perfect. Yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, fitting. It's, I, I don't think we can ever have a really serious overtone anymore. Yeah. With the band name. So, it's like, yeah, not like it's got to be something really out there. <laughs> Even if the music's <laughs> really live serious. You've got to outdo the band. You've got to just keep everything on the surface up here, like, yeah, you know, really random. Yeah. And, and then the music can be as deep as you want. Like, yeah, it's you know, yeah, scratching the surface. Well, that's what I like about the crumpet stuff is it's you know there there's this complete wacky silliness but sincerity to it too simultaneously. Yeah, I kind of it's kind of like every everyday life, isn't it? Just yeah, yeah, you just gotta have a laugh. Everything's funny until you're having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> so there's <laughs> good way to put it. Yeah, great, great summary. <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, album number four's album title. Number four. <laughs> yeah, everything's all good until you're having a bad day. Yeah, that's it. Part one. Always look. Yeah. And once again, this episode was sponsored by our new next door neighbors, Ink Remedy. 
Um, if you want to sponsor an episode, please reach out to us. Uh, the email that we've set up is rhubarbpod, so r-h-u-b-a-r-b-pod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, if you have any suggestions for anything for the show or you want to reach out and jump behind the mic too, please let us know. Um, or yeah, if you want to sponsor an episode or... Or just say, yeah, uh, give us some feedback. Yep. If yeah. we got anything wrong, please complain to us. Yeah. Um, we like as the old emails. internet adage goes, if you want to know something on the internet, don't ask, say the wrong thing. Um, and someone will correct you. So <laughs> that's how you get a response quicker, say the wrong thing and someone yeah. will... See, we're purposely slotting in like incorrect <laughs> facts just to, just to try to j- drum up some, some yeah, viewership. This is actually our research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool. All right. So thank good. you again, Liam. Is there anything that you need to say for? Oh, no, not really. Thanks for listening, and thanks for thanks for being here, Luke. Really appreciate yeah. it. Oh no, appreciate. It. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. Cool. All right. See you later, boys. Good right See you later.